0: Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from the AS21 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith F. Shufflin, and joining me as
1: always is... Hello everyone, this is Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. I hope everyone's doing well and getting ready for a very, very hot summer.
0: If this is your first time joining us, each month I check in with Paul as he works on his fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. We discuss the topics and the background necessary for building a fantasy universe such as that of the Magi, as well as just the basic storytelling process, uh, perspective, setting, character development, and all of things and such that way. So this is Chapter 15 of the Publish Me Podcast, and we'll be discussing today multiple story arcs, which also could be multiple characters. And this, what can be done when you're creating more, when you have a larger book like a novel or an epic, you often have multiple protagonists or you have to have an overarching series of story arcs in order to carry the flow of the story through such a long work. But before we get into that, we're going to check in with Paul on an update on the writing of The Will of the Magi. Last we heard from you, Paul, last month, you had... Slay the demon that is writer's block.
1: Yep. Uh that that demon has successfully been slain. The last time I got into writing, I actually lost track of time, which is <gasps> always a wonderful thing. <laughs> I w- I just started writing and, you know, just it was one of those long, long evenings and I started middle of the afternoon and next time I looked up it was dark. So, <laughs>
0: Oh, I remember those days. No, I
1: I actually didn't actually, I was writing by, you know, on my computer, so I had the light from that, and I was using this natural light from the sun, and when I look up, the whole apartment was dark, because I didn't have any other lights on, because I kind of got engrossed. So, those are wonderful ones. As of right now, everyone, we have roughly two, three chapters left. So next time you hear from us, Keith will be very, very happily saying, "It's done. Yeah. <laughs> the First draft is done," yeah. and then we can all discuss the pleasures of the pain and pleasure that the editor will go through in terms of whacking my head with the book, the book bench. I'll be, he'll be receiving an email form. Yeah. Like, oh, this yes. doesn't work, stupid, stupid, stupid writer. Don't do that ever again.
0: <laughs> oh, no, Corey's not that tough. Although he may form that out to one of his editors. and They might be that tough.
1: Yeah, we shall see. Absolutely.
0: All <laughs> right, thank you very much, Paul. So you're, you're still aiming for 280,000 words, right?
1: 250 to 280,000, okay. give or take.
0: And for those that are, aren't knowledgeable of the word count, a typical novel is starts at about 40,000 words. Anything below that is a novella or novelette or a short story. And then, so once you hit over a 100,000 words, then you are truly talking an epic. So coming in at over 250,000 words, The Will of the Magi will sure to be quite the lengthy tome.
1: Anyone who buys a copy of this is, of course, more than will, more. I'm will, more than willing to let you whack me upside the head with it when we meet in person.
0: Oh, that's gonna hurt, man! Although if it's an ebook, it will be on an iPad. And, and, well, actually, that, no, works that would have
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm reiterating this. If you hit me, you can hit me with a paperback or hard copy. If you have an ebook purchase, you can only hit me with the actual electronic file.
0: Or if you have it on our USB flash drive, you can just fling it at your head.
1: Fine. I'll accept the USB flash drive. I'll accept
0: <laughs> All
1: right, all right.
0: <laughs> so this is the june two thousand sixteen edition of the publishing podcast. If you want to reach out to us, there are many wonderful ways to do it. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash publish podcast. We're on Twitter at publish podcast. You can email us at Podcast at as twenty one dot com. A o I s twenty one dot as we are the flagship podcast series of the AS21 Podcasting Network. You can find our, each episode, it's hosted by Podomatic, but you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play, as well as our own YouTube channel, and our home on the web, media.as21.com. And of course, you can also reach out to me specifically, I am at KF Shovelin on the Twitter and uh, you can reach me at as21pub at as21.com. And Paul, you're still not on Twitter, right?
1: No, I, I have enough problems with my life. I don't need to add Twitter to it.
0: But you do have your own Facebook author page, correct?
1: Yes, I do have a Facebook author page, Paul Dickinson Russell. Yeah, so I, you can look me up on Facebook, Paul Dickinson Russell at Facebook.
0: So if you have specific specific questions or scorn for Paul or me... Now you know how you can reach it specifically and not just blanket the podcast
1: with your scorn
0: or praise. We take them
1: both. (laughs) We get, I tend to get more of one than the other.
0: Speaking of our Facebook page, looking over at our, the Publish Me podcast page on Facebook, we currently stand at 115 likes. What happened, Paul? We lost a like. We lost, I don't know who we lost. Uh, We lost somebody. That's not right. Oh man I'm, we have
1: to hunt down this person
0: get them back like our page again that's very exactly.
1: disconcerting.
0: Uh all right but but although we may have lost the like on Facebook and if you're listening for the first time you could be our new 116th like. Oh, we'll say all kinds of nice things about you. Oh yeah. <laughs> but on Twitter we're actually up to 43 Twitter followers. I know that's not much but hey when we When we were hovering at 39 for months, that was definitely something worthwhile. Oh, yeah. So just (laughs) a quick shout out to our five newest Twitter followers. We have Joshua Silberman at Silby underscore says. Mutual friend of Paul and I, who is actually our webmaster for AS21 and the co-host of the The World's Only podcast, which appears on the first of the month, along with him and AS21 creative Ian Roberts. We have David Silberman, <laughs> at Deadbeat34, who is the person that actually brought me and Paul together in working on this project. We have Fuse Us Entertainment, at environment FZ, and they're looking for ambassadors for the environment. <laughs> then we have Connor Grady, at Connor Grady, who appears to be a Skrillex fan. And then Deborah Redman, at Deborah Redmond 4 <laughs> There we go. And so thank you to those five new followers. Welcome. Hopefully you're still here by the time this episode gets posted on June 7th. (laughs) Woohoo! Because we reserve the right to edit it if necessary. Okay, so.
1: Some of those people should have liked this a lot sooner.
0: Yes, absolutely. Especially since there are so many wonderful ways to reach out to us. And so many wonderful places, so many wonderful discussions. Uh, last month we had on—we have a guest every other month. Last month we had on Carolyn O'Neill, a crowd-funded author who wrote the novel Kingsley, and it is she's been bouncing all around the Commonwealth doing events, doing book signings and readings. So she's doing great, and she—we had a fantastic conversation with her about the crowdfunding process as. Paul is getting ready to launch his own crowdfunding campaign to cover the cost of editing and cover design for this book. I'll announce at the end of the episode who our guests will be for next month. But now to the topic at hand. Woo-hoo. Multiple story arcs. So now, we're going to stick specifically to story arcs, but we're also... It gets kind of interchangeable with dealing with multiple characters, because in some books, it's easier... I mean, it, the story structure lends itself to bouncing from character to character in their way of dealing with story arcs, but... First of all, a definition. A story arc is an extended or continuing storyline in episodic storytelling media, such as television, comic books, comic strips, board games, video games, and films, with each episode following a narrative arc. Perfect. That's courtesy of Wikipedia, the world's encyclopedia. And, of course, the purpose being is, obviously, if nothing happens to a character, it's boring. So you have to have an arc with a beginning, a rise and action, and then a drop, maybe a sudden change, then a denouement, and a resolution. And that is your common story arc. Now, from daily writing tips, they put it as to structure story, you have an eight-point arc, where you have a stasis, trigger, the quest, a surprise, a critical choice, a climax, a reversal, and a resolution. Now, of course, when you're juggling multiple protagonists or you have a longer book such as the one that paul is writing you may have several cases of these coming up and not just one and that's the point of how we're discussing the multiple story arc and uh, let's see some other things we found online look it up from advancedfictionwriting.com if you're writing a novel how many storylines should it have how many is too many how do you handle them all and the advice given here: It's normal for each of the main characters in a novel to have their own storyline. If not, a novel may feel too thin. And of course, in real life, everybody thinks they're the lead character in the story. So everyone, I'm, everyone's not just sitting around waiting for somebody else to do something. Well, most people aren't sitting around waiting for someone else to do something. <coughs> Write the book. <coughs> I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry, <laughs> I have to say that. As someone, you know, writing a book like this, I think the the two greatest examples these days of books that have multiple story arcs, one has a TV show, one has just gotten a TV show or will be getting soon. Anyone who has not heard of the Game of Thrones, where have you been? <laughs> you know, I don't care, if, you know, I don't care if you think it's only a TV series. You still have heard of it. Yeah. Although again, if you think it's just a TV series, Shame Where on you. have you been? Shame. Um, shame on you. Yes. Well, yes, so the Game of Thrones follows multiple characters on multiple story arcs. Not all of them make it to the end of their story arc, of course. Some of them die horrifically. Well, though, that,
0: that is the end of their story arc, though.
1: It's not the expected end.
0: Yes, it, there it's a resolution through pain.
1: Exactly. They die and their story arc ends. <laughs> Do we expect this? Clearly not. Oh, poor Hooter. Anyone who doesn't get that reference, shame. Anyway, Wait, you mean Hodor? Hooter is how I pronounce his name, because I'm, I'm an awful person.
0: Oh. Well, considering how it actually resolved, spoiler alert, Hodor is the correct yep. one.
1: Yep. Hodor, Hodor. Anyway, so yes. we have that one, and that one's a fun one. Be, you know, that one is fun because... Lots of characters don't make it to their supposed story arc, and they all die horrifically in pain. Another series that is currently having a discussion about whether it will get a TV series like Game of Thrones. Although, spoiler, not as many people die in this one. Some do, not all. The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. I saw that announcement a couple weeks back. Yeah, it's a... For the fans, we are very happy people. Although, we're also wondering, if the Game of Thrones is going on this long, what's going to happen with the Wheel of Time? Because mm-hmm. there are 14 books there, and they're all bigger. Right. But, you know, the Wheel of Time series starts off with all the characters together. And most of them, most of that first half, the first book, is pretty much from one character's standpoint. Right. Then they all get broken apart. And that's when the characters start developing their own arcs. You see the full development of those characters, what they are going to have to accomplish in due time throughout the series. For those who have not heard of The Wheel of Time, it's roughly a 14-book series that, in terms of timeline, if you actually follow the actual timeline of the day the book starts in the story and the day the book ends, the series ends, is roughly two and a half years. Hmm. So Game of Thrones, I don't know off the top of my head, you know, how many, how long it's been going on in terms of like a year span since the seasons each span longer than a year, roughly from the way that story arc works, that story, that world works, you know, uh, which is always wonderfully confusing. So those, those are, I think, some of my fun, the ones I enjoy the most, although I know that a lot of people also do get really confused and concerned with that, because you know you really want to follow that one character that you really really like, and then you have to wait like five or six chapters, which I know annoyed a lot of people in the Wheel of Time, because actually there was one or two characters who you never heard of for two or three of the entire books, you just missed out on them entirely, and then when you find it here, it's like, oh my goodness, you've you've conquered half the planet. Well done. <laughs> when did that happen? We didn't hear any about that. Another author who does, I think, a really good job in developing the story arcs of her other characters. I mean, the the series pretty much follows exclusively her main character, but the author Laurel K. Hamilton, who writes the Anita Blake Vampire Hunter series, her series mainly, pretty much exclusively follows Anita Blake, but you do have a lot of heavy development in the other characters. And you know she might go a couple chapters between seeing certain characters, but through the conversation, through what happens, their characters are heavily, heavily developed. Another one I enjoy, uh, I think less less well known author and book series is the author Anne Bishop, who wrote the Black Jewels trilogy. I've probably mentioned her once or twice.
0: Yeah, you've mentioned her before.
1: Yeah, I've mentioned her before, but her series pretty much follows a you know nowhere near the number of characters that. Wheel of Time, Game of Thrones follow, but there is a little bit of jumping around as you follow the main three, four characters throughout the main trilogy and then the subsequent spin off books and series that she's developed. So I think, you know, you usually see a lot of development there, especially as her book, the main trilogy itself, takes place, the first book takes place over the course of like five, six years. The second book takes place two or three years after that, and then the third book takes place a good ten years after the second one took place, roughly in terms of general timeline, in terms of how I'm remembering the book series written.
0: Well, another example of what book series that's been turned into a television show is The Magicians, that's currently on the mm. sci-fi, or Siffy, however you choose to pronounce it. I go with Siffy, personally. Uh, <laughs> And it is, of course, based off the trilogy of books by Lev Grossman. Mm -hmm. And the first book basically follows just the main character, Quentin Coldwater. But you have, like, miniature story arcs with some of the other characters. And there is a character that you see in the beginning of the book, and you only check in with her periodically whenever he would go home from this magical university break bills. And she just is deteriorating worse and worse every time he sees her and you're just like what the heck is going on and you get nothing in the book but in the second book the entire book is of course continues from where it left off with the first book with Quentin's story but then you have a flashback to the complete story of the other character Julia and how she got to the state she's in so when they developed the tv show since they had the benefit of having the entire trilogy laid out, they could actually have it as basically your main characters being, you have what's happening with Quentin at Breakbills and what's happening with Julia in the real world at the same time. So for anyone who's read just the first book, you're wondering what where the heck all this Julia stuff is coming from. But for those that have read at least both the first two books or the whole series... It's a fantastic of keeping it all organized together. Just the question becomes, what are they going to do with season two? But then, of course, they have some made some minor tweaks here and there. There are some characters that had a good major role, but a smaller story arc in the book that have a much more worthwhile story in the television show. But you're going to have that when you have a cast of like five or six specific main characters. you got to give each of them a bit more attention.
1: Yep. True. Another author who he writes really, really quick novels, but they're always well fleshed out. And I think the development of the characters throughout their arcs, especially since these series are lengthy ones, is Jonathan Moeller. He's a traditional strip ebook publisher, and he just does his his own thing. But the series of his I enjoy Demon Soul books, and, and the Ghost Exile and the Ghost series. Those ones both do do really well, in my opinion, in terms of following the characters. The Ghost series itself really only follows its main character. Its subsequent series, the Ghost Exile, does follow more characters, and you do see more of that character development over the time as well. And same with the Demon Soul series. So they both do an exceptionally good job of keeping you engaged, and then, you know, when you finally hear back from a character, because you've been following the main one for three or four chapters and, hey, you just came back after all this time. And through very easy little things, you're able to quickly gain, you know, what's happened to that person over however long it's been, you know, a couple days, a couple hours. Could have been just a span of like half an hour in the books world, but you can get the sense of what's happened, you know, in terms of how well it's written.
0: All right, so we pretty much covered pretty well examples of multiple stories. Now let's talk about actually writing multiple story arcs. You know, we've given you a lengthy reading list if you really want to dive into it on your own. But let's actually, now we can talk about actually doing it. So, Paul, you have a two hundred and fifty to 80,000 word epic. You have several protagonists, not just, I mean, your main one being Aiden, right. but then some of the others around them that each have their own stories. How are you keeping it all straight?
1: So, my story is almost exclusively following Aiden. So, you know, you are, if you're watching a video, you are third-person video, but you're over his shoulder the entire time. But whenever you do come across other characters, through, you know, the conversations he has, the things he observes, things that happen, you get a real good sense of how far someone has fallen, or how high someone's risen, or the changes that have taken place in certain characters' lives. (laughs) Spoiler alert for my own book. When Aiden's father comes to meet him after Aiden's been away for a few months, you know, at college, basically, a lot's changed in Aiden's life, quite obviously, but a lot's changed in his father's life as well. Depending on your point of view, for the better or for the worse... I'll let all my readers be the judge of how well or how poorly his father has done for himself when they get to that point. But, you know, it's going to be, you know, that amusing point where it's like, oh, hello, that that clearly has happened. Another part is um, Aiden has to do some traveling, and so he has to leave his... He leaves some friends behind who have other things they have to get done. So when they're all getting back together due to other various events, it's going to be like, oh, hey... You've, you know, one of, the, one of the really quick, easy observations, again, small spoiler, I'm sorry, doesn't really spoil much, I think, but eh, whatever. One of his friends is, I'm going to call him a plump individual. Rotund is also a good word, yeah. overweight is the classification, I guess, but well-fed. Well, fed. well you know, <laughs> he's exceptionally well-fed. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> smog was well fed when he took Erebor the first time. Mm-hmm. So and but you know after Aiden disappears, you know, for various things abroad outside the college for various reasons, he comes back and his friend is no longer plump, overfed, or fat. Um his friend has clearly lost a lot of weight and transformed it into muscle. You know, over a, you know, after a decent enough time, uh, I would guess, as someone who is of the plump, overweight, fat size meter, you know, I appreciate these things, I think, more than anyone else. All you skinny people listening, leave us fat people alone. We know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, seriously, <laughs> we know. <laughs> I like the taste of cake. It's ro- it's fine. I'm good.
0: Anyway i'm counting so, my calories, I know how many I eat
1: <laughs> exactly so yeah I, I so getting back to the main point when it comes to like recording all my notes, I have notebooks up the wazoo. I have a whole notebook that's just character sheets um you know i ha i'm I'm very very poorly working on drawing maps um cities, all these kind of things. Really, just d- developing all those things. And so, you know, one of these lists is this is where things are going. And I have to keep track of, all right, I have a basically an overarching list which has the characters' names at the top of it. And then I basically just, you know, what's going on in their life. And then I put them all down. It's like, all right, so at this point in this person's life, this is happening to this person. This is happening to this person. This is happening to this person. And two thirds, three quarters of those things, you readers are never going to find out about, but they're just things that I need to know so that again, you know, we mentioned a couple podcasts ago about keeping track of all the details. Right. You know, you do research for these details. So it like, you know, I could do like four or five hours of research for something and that four or five hours of research is only going to equate to one or two sentences maybe, or, you know, it's going to come up at one point in the story, but you know, in my mind, it's something critical enough that I need to have it there. And with these plot points, I need to know exactly what's Aiden doing, what's the princess doing, what are these magi doing, what are the loyalists doing, what are the you know nobleborn doing, what are the merchants doing, what are all these groups doing. And one of the things is how I'm writing. It. It's like I'm writing it from what Aiden knows. Again, you know, it's third person, but you know, it's pretty much from his perspective. So. He has magic, sure, but same equivalent for you listeners. You have the internet. Do you know everything that's going on? Absolutely not. You might hear some things, but you have a better understanding of what's going on around you than Aiden would. You know, because, I mean, he has magic, but, you know, he's not using it to eavesdrop on people. He's using it to do other things. So that makes it really entertaining for me and difficult because it's like, I know exactly what's happening, but I got to make sure that I write it in such a way that Aiden clearly doesn't, and if I want to be nice to my readers, you guys can be like, oh, that's maybe what's happening. Or if I want to be mean to you, like George R. R. Martin is, he's like, oh, that's a really nice, oh, my God, what's happening? Ah, he died again! No, John. Snow, no!
0: And then you all have that right. Well, actually, he didn't write that. That well, was the TV true. show. That wasn't his writing.
1: Right, I know, which was absolutely hilarious to watch all my friends and myself who've read the books and be like, wait a minute, something's wrong. Yeah. There were a whole bunch of us who had that reaction where we, were, we basically all glared at each other and be like, did that actually happen? Right. Someone remind me, so, go find your copy of the book of John <laughs> Snow. Yes. Let me look it up on my Kindle. Let me look it up on my iPad. You know, let me look it up on my Nook, whatever. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, going back to my own writing experience, I, I'm an outline person. I like to outline everything out. I mean, I do. I wrote beginning and the ending about the same time in my first book, post And then I had exactly spaced out how it was supposed to be. Sixteen chapters. And then I broke it down even further than that. You had the overarching arc, of course. Overarching arc being redundant. Uh, And that is carrying it from the beginning, where the main character, Polk Fawcett, is, until his hopeful upwardly mobile resolution, as was pointed out this past week in an article that uh, many novels focus on the triumphs of the upwardly mobile. But then I had also what I call Polk's Quarters, where I broke every four chapters had a succinct little arc to itself, and they all had something specifically that they were doing that all would be wrapped up by the end of the the fourth chapter in that series. So chapters one through four was all introductions. You covered introducing every single one of the main characters and the people that really make it all happen, all the way up until chapter four, where you had some of the first cases of the main character, Polk, having daydreams and the daydreams getting confused with the reality within the book. For chapters five through eight, then it really the goal was to then dive into the history and just show you how some of these characters got to where they were, how he met the two girls that he's fawning over, how he met some of the other friends that they've come together with and just get you to really understand how he got into the position he's in, and setting up why he, his feelings, his consternation as such. Then chapters 9 through 12 covered really the building the real momentum, the surprise, the twist, whatever, to try to actually bring where the book, where you expect the book to go versus where it actually does go. I mean, you know, There's the catalyst, which is his sister coming to visit. There's failed attempts, and then there is an actual great upheaval that changes his life, both for the better and for the worse, depending on how you look at it. And then, of course, the final four chapters, which basically says, okay, every single piece of whatever that we've dealt with in the previous twelve chapters, time to wrap it all up, tie it up with a nice little bow, all good. And then, of course, at the very end, I'd have to leave that one little thing dangling. And that'll be resolved in the sequel, Foster Revisited, coming out as part of the Millennial Row series sometime in the next ten years. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you when, because frankly, I don't know. <laughs> It'll be out eventually, and that's all we need to know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know that it's coming, and that that alone should satiate you.
1: Your book is coming, and so is winter.
0: <laughs> yes. Not yet. It was 84 degrees today and sunny, so (laughs) winter is not coming just yet. (laughs) Now, for my second book, Life's Penance, it was just a novella, so a lot less area to cover. Only about six chapters. I I kept the characters pretty well limited to this main group of friends, but then I added the caveat of killing off the main character at the end of chapter three. So then you had pretty much all of the action of the first three chapters follow that main character with just quick little asides to the other people in that character's life. The the girlfriend, the best friend, the you know married couple that are friends, the co-workers and such. And then you're left with chapters four through six. What Your main character is gone. He has no more story to go. So that means now the little seeds of a story arc that was put in for these characters in the first three chapters now have to grow into their own full-fledged story arcs. They each have to make their own hero's journey, as it were. woo And of course, I bring that up. I really should actually mention the hero's journey itself, because it is the ultimate when you talk about a story arc. You have the ordinary world. The hero, uneasy, uncomfortable, or unaware, is introduced. Sympathetically, so the audience can identify with the situation or dilemma. The hero is shown against the background of environment, heredity, and personal history. Some kind of polarity in the hero's life is pulling in different directions and causing stress. Number 2. The call to adventure. Something shakes up the situation. Number 3. Refusal of the call. The hero feels the fear of the unknown. Number four, meeting with the mentor. The hero comes across a seasoned traveler of the worlds. Now, I'm going to use the most recent example in the in the movies that everyone knows this pretty well. It, it's been said that Star Wars Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, is a carbon copy of Episode Four, A New Hope. Well, that's because they both follow this hero's journey to a tee. It's just instead of it's Luke in the first film and it's Rey in the second. And here we have, the Ordinary World, the call to adventure, the shake of the situation. She wants to go back to Jakku. And then, of course, meeting with Han Solo. And then, of course, number five, crossing the threshold. And in act one, the hero commits to leaving the Ordinary World and entering a new region or condition with unfamiliar rules and values. Number six, tests allies and enemies. The hero is tested and sorts out allegiances in the special world. That's, you know, learning your Jedi powers there for Rey. Yep. Number seven, approach. The hero and newfound allies prepare for the major challenge in the special world. Number eight, the ordeal. Near the middle of a story, the hero enters a central space in the special world and confronts death or faces his or her greatest fear. That would be Rey running off into the woods in uh, Takadana in episode seven. And it would be Luke going after trying to save Leia on the Death Star. Yep. The reward the hero takes possession of a treasure won by facing death, that's Luke getting Leia and number Ten, the road back about three-fourths of the way through the story. The hero is driven to complete the adventure, leaving the special world to be sure the treasure is brought home. Number eleven, the resurrection at the climax. the hero is severely tested once more on the threshold of home. Here she is purified by a last sacrifice, another moment of death and rebirth. But on a higher and more complete level, by the hero's action, the polarities that were in conflict at the beginning are finally resolved. And then number twelve, return with the elixir. The hero returns home or continues the journey, bearing some element of a treasure that has the power to transform the world as the hero has been transformed. Okay, so the reward is her finding the lightsaber, because returning with the elixir is her taking the lightsaber
1: to Luke at the end. But also, at the same time, all these things also apply to Stormtrooper.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. It it also works with uh, Finn.
1: Yep, Finn. There we go.
0: Yes. But the fact is, this guide, The Hero's Journey, identified by American scholar Joseph Campbell, exists throughout all storytelling. It's been used time and time again through time and creation. Read Homer and the Odyssey. That is The Hero's Journey him being pulled from his home to go fight in the trojan war and then the te- in the iliad and then the 10-year journey of his return in the odyssey and then to get all the way back and then be told that that they were not convinced that he actually is odysseus and that he is the king and having to was it complete the task of threading the bow that only he could thread
1: yep so <laughs> and then he do- he has to thread the bow and shoot it through, at least in the movie, I remember remembering the movie because it's been years since I read the book. You know, shoot it through the uh, holes and all the axes. Mm-hmm. And then him and his loyalists slaughter all the suitors, which is fun.
0: So really, it's all the hero's journey. It's been used for thousands of years. It's not going away. Even if you twist it a little, it's still the same journey. Yep. And that's your common main multiple story arc but then, of course, you got to remember, when you have multiple characters, everybody's got their own hero's journey. They might not all have the same result, but they all have that journey. Mainly, as I see it, know what your characters are doing. Know yep. that they are not bystanders in someone else's story. They have to have lives of their own. They yep. can't just be... You can't have the same best friend always showing up. I'll give you an example of where you don't have multiple story arcs. The Truman Show. <laughs> the movie starring Jim Carrey, Noah Emmerich, uh, Laura Linney, and Ed Harris. Look at what happened. There's only one character in the show within the, in the movie, the Truman Show. Yep. Everybody else supposedly has a story, but when Truman's not around, they stand there and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the friend shows up when they need him to show up. The wife says things when they need her to say things. The storm hits when they need a storm to hit. Mm-hmm. It's everyone else's life is all in service of the main character, and that's why when Truman could start to notice—if you haven't seen the movie, it's been out for almost twenty years now.
1: No, you need to. Go. It's it, it was. And I think it's still on Netflix. It should be.
0: Uh, but it's go a see the movie. Watch watch that movie. Huh. But it the failings of their system was the fact that the other people didn't seem to have their own stories, which I'm thinking, what a boring TV show.
1: Well, I mean, it's the, I mean, the entire TV show, like the entire concept is the pure hype of it, of you're following this person around who doesn't know it. I mean, if you look at any other TV show we have today, you know, any of the housewives of whatever county they're doing now. Yeah. Is it Mississippi County right now or whatever? I
0: think it's the Potomac right now.
1: Jersey Shore. If you follow Bachelor, Bachelorette, whatever. All these people clearly know that they're being filmed. So on the Truman Show, they took the brilliant idea of following someone from womb as they come out throughout the rest of their life, basically via hidden camera. So everyone else had a planned response that was fed to them, mm-hmm. and Truman's was the only one so that was a legitimate response. You know, at least in regular television, you have legitimate responses to uh, you know planned responses to other planned responses, or look, I'm on TV responses to look, I'm on TV responses, whatever.
0: Well, when uh, a couple years after Truman Show came out, there was another movie made on the same premise, but with the idea of it's a person that is cast is chosen to be the star of this reality show. And then it goes, of course, it goes wrong. And that's Ed TV starring Matthew McConaughey. Mm. And it was done, I, I mean, I don't think of them as in competition. I think it was done well itself in its own specific way. But at one point, I mean, he's fully knowledgeable of the fact that he's on camera and that he's being recorded. And he gets to a point where he's unhappy with the The network, the company, with how they're dealing with him and how they are trying to coerce him into breaking up with his girlfriend and get with a supermodel and all of this. So he decides to stop doing things. And that's when they start filming. I mean, they start going after his family because they've all signed their release forms to be on the TV show. So they start sending out camera crews following his mother and his stepdad and his brother and his now sort of ex-girlfriend basically is harassing them as it's payback for him not doing anything. But the thing is, if you're doing the show right, you should have been following them already. Right. That's a step where it's like they were trying to do a more realistic approach to the Truman show. And I think even then they still, well, it's still a movie. Right. So, all right, we've been talking about this for a while. We've given you a lengthy reading list. We've given you some tips. We've given you stories from our own experience. Yep. Paul has spoiled his book once again.
1: I, I didn't tell you who dies in Chapter 37. Who knows? <laughs> okay. All I might have made that up. You'll never know unless you read the book.
0: <laughs> all right, Paul, do you have anything else on balancing multiple story arcs or multiple characters?
1: know your character's lives. Yeah. If you don't know every detail of the character's life you're writing, you and that character need to have a heart-to-heart. Heart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, so... Uh, That wraps up the June 2016 edition of Publish Play Podcast, Chapter 15, Multiple Story Arcs. Uh, We were hoping to have some live audio recorded at the Gaithersboro Book Festival from Gaithersburg, Maryland, back on May 21st. But unfortunately, the weather did not want to agree with us, so it was a cold and wet day all day long. We'd have people stop by the table, but getting people to actually want to sit down and record anything for the podcast was a little bit difficult, so I don't have any new audio for that. This coming month, we will be at the Virginia Comic Con once again, in Richmond, Virginia, at uh, Richmond Raceway on June 25th. So if you are going, if you are in the Richmond area, or just basically in the Virginia area, which is quite large actually, stop on by, see us at the Richmond Raceway, and plus see all the other great exhibitors at the Virginia Comic Con. We had a great time when we went back in February, so this should be just a great time again. And we'll have more details about that coming up as we are ready for it. But we will be then answering the next question, which will tie in to our special guest for next month's episode. We will be joined by AS21 creative poet Bianca Palmisano, author of the poetry collection The Empty Spaces. Now, Bianca originally published The Empty Spaces through the Create Space print-on-demand service. So next month we'll be talking to Bianca and, of course, my own experience also of dealing with print-on-demand services and deal what the difference is between them and using a regular printer or just an overarching publisher or just doing eBooks by themselves. So we'll be discussing largely print-on-demand and then some of the self-promotion things that can be done from there. If you see us at Virginia Comic Con, we'll be asking you about any experience you had buying books that were print-on-demand whether they be from CreateSpace or Lulu or uh, Towson University Press or any of the other print-on-demand services. We even have in Washington, D.C. here, we have the bookstore Politics and Prose that has the Opus, a giant book printing machine that you can go in there, and if they don't have a book that you're looking for and they have the stuff from it in their system, they could print the book for you while you wait. Mm. Yes, the future is here, ladies and gentlemen. So, remember, you can find us on, hosted on Podomatic, find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and, and Google Play, and of course our YouTube channel, which is now up to date. I got all of the last few episodes finally uploaded on there. But be sure to like us, share us, us rate us, give, yeah, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear it. You can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash publicpodcast. T- on Twitter, at Publish Podcast. Email, podcast at as21.com. And until next time, I am Keith F. Shovelin, Publisher and Chief Creative of AS21 Publishing.
1: And as always, everybody, this is Paul Dickinson Russell, author of The Will of the Magi. Be well, and remember where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. Next month, let's wrap this baby up.
0: Copyright 2016, AS21 Publishing, LLC, all rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be? This episode is sponsored by...
1: Hi guys, my name is Michael B. Judkins. The interlude to sentiment to me is very personal. Collection of poetry of 40 poems, and then two acts. So act one is the heart of love, people falling in and out of love, seeking love, um, wanting love, the art of what you love to do. The second act is Welcome Mercury Rising. It is that stand strong motivational side that creates the feeling of strength and determination. Don't allow circumstances to keep you from living a dream. I stepped outside my own box doing this collection, writing something universal. I collectively combine these two acts to kind of give a sense of two sides of me as a writer from the book cover you know walking into the forest with the tunnel that's the interlude to sentimental you're walking into the unknown i'm extremely excited about this collection
0: interlude to sentimental me by michael b judkins is now available at the as20 market amazon.com smashwords kobo barnes and noble and wherever ebooks are sold